0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker,
1: and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. This is my birthday week show. My birthday was the third, and I always like to have an extra, extra special guest on my show for that birthday week show because... Um, Well, every person I have on my show, I love talking to and I want to be here. But today's guest is somebody that I've wanted to have on my show since his first book came out that he co-wrote with a dear friend, John David Mann. And it's, it's his story. But there's so much about this gentleman. He is a real life James Bond. And with everything going on in the news nowadays, what really hit me, I watched the James Bond movie Spectre. The other day, and I also finished reading Daniel Silva's book, The Marching Season, which is one of his older books, and I feel like we're really beginning to live what's happening in the movies and the books. You know, the stuff is no longer craziness, and mindset, focus is something so critical for all of us to have our best lives possible, and my guest today lives that, breathes that. He is a former U.S. Navy SEAL sniper, one of the tops in the world, Um, You know, these guys never used to talk about what they do, and he's written some amazing books, including The Red Circle and his latest book called The Killing School. And he has uh, agreed to be on the show today, which happens to be the 73rd anniversary of D-Day, by the way. Please welcome Brandon Webb to the show, everyone. Brandon, thank you for being here.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me. Happy birthday. And, and I'm also a big James Bond fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that, that actually feels really good considering that I never realized till after I read your most recent book and I've read your books, uh, amongst heroes, the red circle. I think I've read everything that you've put together. Um, but having read the killing school, then saw Spectre, it hit me. Yeah. It's not just about pulling that trigger, the idea we've had from the movies about what the sniper does. That's the last thing, as you talked about in the book. You hope to never have to do that. It's it's about gathering that intelligence, being that James Bond character, although a little more circumspectly and in the background (laughs) that James Bond (laughs) does. How did you get there for my audience? I know your story, but to be a, a Navy SEAL, and then to go even further and become a sniper, and then revamp the entire Navy SEAL training program to be better than it's ever been before. How did that come about?
0: Oh, right, I'll try and not make a long story longer, but <laughs> my, you know, I was raised by, uh, my my dad is Canadian, my mom's American, and they were hippies in the 60s, and my mom still today tries to figure out how her, her son, and she wanted a Harry Potter kid, she told me. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how I ended up with you. Um, but, you know, I I left home at 16. My dad and I were having issues getting along. I was a, you know, headstrong 16-year-old, and we were on this family sailing trip around the world, and he kicked me off the boat in, in Tahiti. Uh, we were in Papeete, Tahiti, um, and I, so I left home at 16, and I learned an important lesson at that time was there's only one captain on the boat, and at the, it was my dad. So <laughs> I left I left home and um, came back to California, where we were living prior to leaving on the trip. Um, I had a really good job working on a scuba diving boat. That's what exposed me first to the SEAL community. I'd met a SEAL and started reading Um, books. I read uh, Richard Marcinko's Rogue Warrior, Um, and he's the the founder of Seal Team Six. Um, Fascinating guy. And I had, you know, found the Seal Teams, and and I needed, like, I had good mentors at the time on this boat I was working on and and putting myself through high school the last year, and I had a couple friends that were really getting into drugs, and, and I saw what was happening to them, and I just. I wanted a way out and the Navy um, seals was a way for me to, to get out of that environment, get a college education. And uh, it, it, the Navy is really good to me. Um, you know, I was a search and rescue swimmer in helicopters and eventually got, got my uh, seal package. My second one uh, accepted, became a seal, went to seal team three. Um, as a new guy at seal team three, my platoon chief came to me and, And one of my close friends that was in my platoon, Glenn Doherty, I know you know who Glenn is, but people that are listening to your show, uh, Glenn was one of the CIA SEAL that was um, killed in Benghazi, Libya, in 2012. But but my platoon chief came to Glenn and I and said, you guys are the top shooters in our platoon. We're shorthanded two sniper billets we need to send you guys. Um, do you want to go? And it was a huge opportunity for Glenn and I at the time because new guys really didn't get to go to that school. It was, it was a school that seasoned guys in the, in the seal community got to go to. So, you know, it was a huge responsibility and honor, but we were terrified because we we knew that if we, if we didn't pass, it was, there was going to be hell to pay. Um, you know, went went with sniper training with Glenn. Glenn and I deployed together. We were on the USS Cole after it got hit as a sniper overwatch. Came back from that deployment, and 9/11 happened. And I had jumped in another platoon that needed some help, um, an experience, and then we ended up deploying immediately after 9/11 back to Afghanistan. And I came after the, after that. When I got back, I was recruited for advanced sniper training and then got asked by a a master chief who was a SEAL Team 6 guy, and and it was really two master chiefs that realized that we needed to modernize the SEAL sniper program and, and also make it better. And so I was a part of a group of cadre that revamped the entire program. Um, and it's the same program that Chris Kyle, American sniper went through, um, Marcus Luttrell who's a friend of mine wrote the book on survivor. He was one of my personal students that I mentored throughout the course. Um, and so just, it was a, it was an incredible amount of work that went into that, but it was one of the most challenging and rewarding things I, I've done with my career. And, and, uh, I'm really proud to be associated with that group of guys and, the product that we put out, you know, you, there's still guys probably with more kills than, than Chris Kyle, who's kind of become a legend now. Um, but we just put out an amazing product with these guys, and they're they're some of the, the top snipers the world has ever seen. And, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize that like, the snipers are out there saving a lot of lives because they do a lot of overwatch, so they're, they're overwatching um, regular special operations troops as they move in and out through villages and assault missions. Um, but I think I got the whole story in there.
1: You, you <laughs> did. Sorry. I you, went a little bit long. <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely fine. I had goosebumps during parts of it because it flashed me back to different things in, in your book that really stood out for me. I have to tell you, it's so highlighted and dog-eared and, and bookmarked because there was so much power in your book. But when you were... Talking about your mom wanted the Harry Potter kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, one of the big things that I've learned from reading your books is the shift in perspective, which is what this show is all about. How yeah. if you can shift your perspective to look at something differently, which is what you did to revamp the SEAL training school um, and and to even become a sniper, you are a Harry Potter kid. Because if you look at Harry Potter from a different perspective, he was a sniper. It was about gathering all the intelligence to find Voldemort in every single thing that he was doing, to find out who the different people were in it, to figure out what their weaknesses were, and then at the end have to pull that trigger, but then come back from it and rebuild. And how do you do that? So you are Harry Potter.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I, I need that. Set up a conversation between you and my mother.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> Just play this play this recording for her so she can see how it yeah. all links, you know? Harry Potter is James Bond, is you, is, um, you know, all of the, the big fictional characters. But before we go into um, the first commercial break, there's something you said about the the course. And here's your quote in the book. Eric and I didn't see the high in our course as a badge of honor or symbol of excellence. We saw it as a failure not of the students, of the teaching. That perspective shift is not something we are used to hearing from military, right? They're all proud of the fact that hardly anybody makes it through SEAL training or Ranger training or any of these. It's the best of the best of the best. You chose to look at it differently. How did you get there?
0: So what we realized was that we were getting a high quality, a high caliber of student. It's one thing, you know, there's a time and a place to create a really adversarial teaching environment because you want to see who has the, the guts to stick it out, um, the guts of the heart. Um, and that's what SEAL training is for. Um, you know, it's incredibly negative um, adversarial environment. But, you know, the, the training environment is that, is designed that way to produce an incredibly disadvantaged environment for the student and to see who will persevere and overcome that. The sniper program, we said as instructors, look, we're already we're getting qualified Navy SEALs. So these guys are highly motivated. We know they're high caliber. Why are why aren't we passing more students? And so what we realized was that we had a, we had adopted this negative teaching style from Marine Corps Scout Sniper Course, which which they have their reasons for for the way they teach, because it is more of a selection course, um, and then we had taken some of the, the same from, from uh, what we call Buds or Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL training. It's the the SEAL selection training, and we said, wait a minute, we don't need to to teach that way, and then throughout the course of us reaching out to various um, consultants, uh, some of which were gold medal champions themselves. Um, one of those was Lanny Basham, a friend of mine, who developed, uh, who wrote this book called With Winning in Mind. And it was a mindset of a champion and, and habits of champions. And so what we realized was that we needed to switch to a positive style of teaching. And, and it's as simple as...
1: It's as simple as, and we're going to tease our audience and come yeah. back to that right when we come back from the commercial sure. break. We'll be back with Brendan Webb. After the break, we teased people. You started to say, it's as simple as. <laughs> yeah,
0: so it's, you know, we were talking about negative versus positive teaching style, and it's as simple as if you imagine somebody is a beginner student and the instructor looks at whatever they're doing, whether it's riding a horse, shooting a gun. and you can see the mistakes that beginners are making. but there's no sense in repeating back and, and focusing on the mistakes and that's a big um, it's a big problem that people do. I see it in parenting even um, in kids and you're, what you're doing is you're programming the beginner with bad habits because they don't realize the, the mistakes they're making. And when you focus on, hey, you're, you're flinching when you pull the trigger, I mean, right now you and all your audience are thinking about is flinching. And so you're, you're programming them with mistakes. So we said um, we need to adopt a positive style of teaching and focus on the corrective methods and the correct procedures to focus on um, and instruct So rather than point the 10 mistakes out, I can just give a student the three things they need to, to correct the deficiency and it's putting positive input into their learning cycle. Um, And we're big into self-talk, like talking about um, how to coach, how the students can coach themselves because a lot of us walk around and we're our own worst enemies with how we talk to ourselves internally. And so teaching, the students how to correct that and have the mindset of a champion. Um, you know, it was just one of the big. It's one of the biggest and important things I think we did in our sniper course. Um, and it, at the time, we were we would start with twenty students and we would lose thirty percent of them um, for performance. Um, and when we adopted this new teaching style, we started graduating everybody. Um, we maybe lose one guy uh, here or there, but we started graduating everyone, and and we actually increased the level of difficulty. So we raised the bar uh, and started, you know, changing the way we we taught, and everybody was graduating. So it was pretty fascinating to see that play out immediately, and and when we put it into practice, and we're we're blown away. It was pretty powerful.
1: There's another quote in your book. You said, you become a highly skilled warrior, but at the same time, it also damages you, and that damage is permanent. With the way you revamped the program, where it became controlling your attitude and controlling your thoughts to set you free, how did that help change the long-term life of a sniper, which is not an easy one?
0: So it's it's interesting because now that I've you know I've been running my own business and writing books for about as long as I was in in the SEAL teams, and I got into you know I I do yoga, um, just to stretch because I put your body through hell all, the, all those years, um, but I started meditating and a good friend of mine. Um, who helped edit Tim Ferriss' his last book, Tools of Titans? Uh, my friend Kamal really got me into meditation, and what I realized was the the things, the same principles of like meditation and focus. We were already teaching that to the sniper students. We were doing this like sniper Zen, um, but what it does is just allow you to um, execute under pressure a lot allow yourself to focus clear your mind and I think what it does long term is it helps the sniper compartmentalize and and not think about maybe some of those shots that that they've taken like my friend I talk about in the book Alex and what I mean by like damage in the scar tissue is you know, here's a guy that um watched a village you know, the Taliban in Afghanistan um, active in and around this village, and he was doing this sniper overwatch mission, meaning he's, you know, troops are moving in the area, and he's set up to observe and engage um, if any troops come under threat, and he watched a a bad guy leave his home, Um, and his young son run out after him, basically tugging, like, he didn't have to hear what was being spoken to know that this 12, 13 year old kid didn't want his dad to go fight the Americans. He kept kind of like tugging back, like, please don't go, please don't go. You know, three, four hours later, um, this guy is engaging troops and Jason, I'm sorry, I'm Alex, my friend in the book ends up having to take this guy out. And when he came back from that mission, broke down a bit because he had a, a son the same age as this, this kid. And just like the consequences of that and kind of the human toll is one aspect where I really wanted to, to show the reader, look, you know, this isn't a movie. It's not a video game. People don't just, you don't just shoot somebody and boom, they, they fall down dead and onto the next level. Like it, this is real stuff. And it, it has a real human toll. And as much as I, I didn't like the movie American Sniper from a from a technical point of view. I thought just they didn't do a good job. But what I did respect uh, on that movie, and I thought Clint Eastwood did really well as a director, was he showed the human toll of having to to be in those situations, come back, and and how it affected you know life back home. Um, but I you know bringing it full circle to your point of, about the the, the sniper and the, and the mental management piece I, I think that snipers generally have a lot better tools to deal with uh, adversity and kind of tuck it away and and realize that it's no there's no use focusing on a shot that that's missed I mean you can never get it back and there's no need to focus on a lot of the things that that the the terrible things that you do have to to, to do in, in combat, in a combat environment, it's just no, you know, you might as well focus on the positive things and you got to let that stuff go. So um, hopefully I answered your question.
1: You, you did. The, your book, The Killing School, with John David Mann, who, as you know, is a very dear friend of mine, who okay. I savor every email I get from him because the writing <laughs> is just so exceptional. I think this book needs to be required reading for every human being on the planet to understand the sacrifice that every member of the armed forces does for us. And as we are getting ready to go into news break, um, I want to thank you and every member of the armed forces who protects us. You know, this world has shifted into a place where it's scary. It's scary on so many levels. Yeah. And you protect us, and we tend to forget that. my dad was in the Army in the Korean War, and that was the proudest thing he said he ever did in his life, other than having my brother and i
0: <laughs> yeah it's you know it's unfortunate we still live in a world where we need you know armed forces, but thankfully, in this country, you know we have an all volunteer force of men and women, and you you know these men and women have sacrificed and, and continue to sacrifice since 9-11, and they've, they've taken on quite a burden with a increased op tempo. But what I really hope that people take away from the killing school is that that's, we need that armed forces, but we also need to realize there's a lot of other things we, we need to focus on.
1: And we're going to focus on that when we come back from the news break. Um, I could talk to you all day. We'll be right back with more from Brandon Webb, author of The Killing School. You're just joining us live here on iHeartRadio. We are here with Brandon Webb, former U.S. Navy SEAL sniper, New York Times bestselling author, and the guy who, with his partner Eric, revamped the Navy SEAL sniper training school and is talking to us today about his latest book, The Killing School, with John David Mann. But mostly it's about mindset that we're talking. The, the mindset of a champion, Sniper Zen, as he called it. <clears throat> Brendan, it, it's really exciting to have you here today. And you talked a little bit about how you shifted things at Sniper School to get that focus for everybody, where the training went from negativity-focused training, pointing out the negatives, to a positive um, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth by Colonel Chris Hadfield is one of my favorite books. In it, he talks about how at NASA, they would all sit around a table and go through scenarios of everything that could go wrong. They would debrief to death every possible scenario, including if I die, this. It sounds like what you did revamping sniper school was very different than that. How do you focus on on shifting to the positive when it's important for people to understand that this isn't the right way to do something?
0: We would actually also rehearse scenarios um, because, you know, when, when you enter the arena, whether it's sports or combat, you know, usually, you know, the plan doesn't go as, as perfectly as everyone would like to. <laughs> right, so you have to. You have to adapt.
1: But in your case, the um, uh, plan doesn't go the way you want. You could be dead, and a lot of other yeah, people could be dead.
0: Exactly. But you, and so you. I mean, there's a, it's interesting you bring this up because we, just like NASA, we are masters of mitigating risk. People think, oh, it's so risky to be a seal. Well, look, it's what we do is. Is, may appear risky, like skydiving, but we eliminate all the variables that are in our control. Um, and as somebody that has skydived in the civilian sector, it's very scary on how, um, how the difference between the two are. Like I would get maybe five, six checks um, by two jump masters, by buddy checks before I even get out of the plane, where in the civilian world uh, you're kind of responsible for your own check so um, just as an example and on the snipers same thing being a sniper we want to calculate for every possible variable in our control if we can can kind of control that and then we have to deal with the environmental factors but we also rehearse the contingencies like what could go wrong in these situations and then you develop contingency plans for everything and the difference in mindset is if something goes wrong rather than go, oh, my God, you know, my sight just just fell off, my or my scope fell off the gun. Well, you need the mindset of a champion or a sniper is, okay, I get that this happened. Now I'm going to have to use my iron sights, and I'm just going to accomplish the, the mission no matter what. Um, that's the difference. So when things go wrong, we've trained for it. We know how to deal with it, and our mindset is we're going to, Accomplish the mission no matter what, even if I have to pick up a rock and throw it at the guy. <laughs> um, it's just it's that kind of mindset that separates the the elite from second place, um, and, and that's how we train our snipers to to really you know have the mindset of a champion. But we do for sure focus on what can go wrong. It's just how we how we adapt and deal with those situations are very different than than what a lot of people practice.
1: For so many people they get mired in the all the different scenarios of what could go wrong and they never are able to make it to that next step which you revamp the training school to do, which is okay, here's all the different scenarios. I've gone through them all. I've figured out the ways or possible things I could do okay now I'm gonna push that to the back of my mind and go forward what piece of advice would you give to my listeners to help them get from that like hard hard place of here's everything that's going wrong to that next step that you trained your snipers of yeah I lost my scope um, you know it's pouring rain out Uh, I've got different kinds of bullets. You talk about that in in the book. All these factors. I mean, you have to be a theoretical and practical physicist to be a sniper nowadays. What piece of advice would you give somebody to help them get there?
0: Um, I would tell them to read my first book, The Red Circle. (laughs) Which is fantastic. Thanks. And and The Killing School as well, because I always try, and when John and I work on a book together, I always try and really look at, real stories that teach lessons because I think, you know, stories are, are powerful teaching tools. Um, and, and I, you know, the, the other book I would recommend is with winning in mind, uh, which my friend Lanny wrote some excellent you know, self, self coaching, self talk tools in that book, which I talk about in, in the red circle as well. But, you know, the, it's funny cause I get people, Come up to me, even in my own family, and they're like, "Wow, you've been so lucky!" And I said, "Well, not really. Like, you know how do you how do you how do you think I'm lucky? Well, you have a good life. You're you made the bestseller list." And I said, "But I didn't remember you saying these things when I lost my first business after leaving the Navy in 2006, lost my entire life savings, and had my." Wife at the time asked me for a divorce. A month later, <laughs> like, I don't remember. I don't know if that's being lucky, but the difference. I mean, that was one of the true low points in my my life when you know losing a business, losing your life savings, having you know, my wife at the time say, "Look, you know, I want a nine to five guy, and you're not you're not it." And she said, "You know, I want a divorce." and by the way school starts in a couple months and I'm taking the kids you know up north and then here I am sitting alone in a three-bedroom house having just lost everything but you know I could have felt sorry for myself and you know complained and uh, you know and and gone to a really negative place I could have jumped off the corner on a bridge but I I said you know what I need to focus on like what are the positives in this situation okay I have an opportunity now to really work on my relationship with with my kids' parents and have a great relationship with her, which I do today. And then the other thing was on the business side, I can learn and apply all these lessons learned because I had tremendous, um, you know, that three and a half years where i you know, raised money, had a business plan and, you know, chose poor partners. Like all these are lessons, valuable lessons learned. That I could now apply to my next business, um, and and did so. You know, I you know, people talk about the best seller list, but they don't realize that I like you. You understand what it's like to pitch, you know, a book and have you have it turned down, you know, nine by nine different publishers. <laughs> which the red circle was St. Martin's Press, gambled on me, and the book did really well. But I got turned down over and over. Um, you know, at the time, the, the Navy SEAL brand really wasn't known much in, the, in America like it is today but you know that, that's the difference that, that mindset um, the mindset of a, of a sniper and those skills that I've applied in parenting and outside of my own business today and today I run you know a very successful media and e-commerce business and I'm just extremely fortunate to, to live in you know one of the greatest countries on earth that lets you, you know, anyone can have a fresh start in America. And that's what makes, I
1: think, makes this country so great. It's, it's so true with the, the fresh start. And I love that you shared the bottom and how you came forward. I mean, I recently read something that said your business is currently valued at $100 million. But you do so much good with that. You have the Red Circle Foundation as well, yep. which I think is so beautiful. Anybody, You can find that at redcirclefoundation.org and how you, you help those in the armed forces, the special forces people, where there's a gap to get them help. That's not an easy decision for a lot of people to do, to say, I'm creating this and then actually doing it. What was the one thing that triggered for you that said, this is what I have to do?
0: I've always, my, my good mentors in the military and elsewhere, it's always been, you know, there's always been this common focus on lead by example or, or exemplary leadership. You know, I would never ask my, my team in the military and outside in the business I run today to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. Um, and you know, I just, I think that, that in it itself is important that kind of exemplary leadership and so when I started to have some success in publishing in my business I wanted to give back to the military community and really the, the special operations community and as a whole and at the time this was I think in 2011 when I, I started to see a lot of, a lot of people in this country wanted to support the military community and they recognized the sacrifice and then i started to see a lot of the abuse in the nonprofit world where a lot of the the funds you know these big big charitable organizations would throw these lavish parties and the executive compensation was was inappropriate and the funds you know that were getting kind of trickling down to the to the actual mission you know, we're, we a small percentage of the overall money taken in. And I, so I just said, you know what, rather than complain about it. And we had a big, one of the things I learned as a new guy, Seal, is like if you're ever going to complain about something, you better be prepared to bring two or three solutions to the table. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start a foundation. It doesn't have to be big, but we're going to be really focused on mission and we're going, you know, we, looked at how to structure this, and I I saw this charity, Water Foundation in San Francisco, and how they approached businesses to donate money to their operational overhead expenses, and then they had a separate fund devoted for the mission, and when ordinary, everyday people would donate to that fund, all that money, 100% of it, would be used for for helping people out. And So that's the model that we adopted at Red Circle Foundation. All
1: right, and that's perfect. And, we're gonna go into our, our yep. last commercial break. We're really thinking about is there something you're complaining about a lot? If it is, come up with one, two, or three solutions to it. We'll be right back with Brandon Webb.
0: Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author, Laura Stewart.
1: I love quoting you to you. (laughs) In your book, you said, The point of your course, since you revamped the SEAL training program, wasn't to have our students become expert shooters. The point was to have our students become masters of their fate. How can the average person become masters of their fate? The world well, seems to interfere so much with that, right?
0: Yeah, I think people need to realize and I run into this all the time, they they kind of expect stuff to happen, like they expect things to just work out the way that they they want and it really starts with planning and, and setting a goal and it's something we, we focus on, the SEAL teams and the sniper community. Like if you want to go somewhere you need to set you need to set like long-term goals and then work a plan to get there. And then you got to realize that like, you've got to put in the hard work um, to do what it takes to, to kind of execute against that plan. But, you know, I see, I see people just drifting in life. And I think of it almost as, you know, look life happens and you can't plan for everything. But if you're, if you think of life as a, a river with rapids around every other corner, some people are in the boat with no paddle in the water. And some people are, have that paddle in the water and they're, they're kind of taking control of their life and, and going where, where they want to. And, and that's what we kind of, one of the lessons I learned in the the SEAL teams is you've got to just make it happen yourself. Um, And I think that, you know, there's so many important lessons I try and put into the first book, uh, the red circle and the killing school too. I think the surprise that people will get from reading the book is they'll get, you know, not only an uncomfortable look at what it's like to go to war and the toll that that takes, but also some incredible life lessons, um, that will come out that are directly applicable to life, business, uh, raising children. Um, you know, it's, it's, i talk to my, my own kids all the time about, um, how, how to talk to themselves. Um, is very important in, in setting goals like we on our annual family ski trip we i have the kids write out their goals for the for the you know the entire next year which i think is a, it's important to to focus on that stuff
1: I, I to me the killing school wasn't what i was expecting i read everything that that john is involved with <laughs> he's great because right? yeah. he's just so amazing and i've gotten to that point with your books as well i got to know you through John, right, because of your words that he helped, you know, you put together. The book shifted my thinking about myself tremendously, and it made me realize I was very stuck in a depression and stuck in a woe is me kind of thing, couldn't figure out a way out of it. And I'm beginning to shift out of it because of things you wrote in the book. So on a personal note, thank you. Um, Oh,
0: it's great to hear.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I want to I wanna shift a little bit because this is a question I don't often get to ask somebody that has seen the best of humanity and the worst of humanity. Um, if you could change anything about the world, what would it be?
0: So, that's a great question. Um, what comes to mind immediately, just given the environment that we're in today and, and it really has to do with what you talked about earlier with looking at things with a different perspective, Um, I would change the, so we're in this perpetual global war on terror right now with really no end in sight. And that, that really saddens me looking at kind of this us in Afghanistan today, kind of losing our way, like really no clear strategic objective for America to be in Afghanistan the mess that we created in the Middle East with whether you thought we should go into Iraq or not. If we did go in, we sure as hell have a responsibility to kind of leave that country in a much more stable place than what we left it in. Cause we, we pulled out and, and created this vacuum that had a group like ISIS come into existence and really nudged off civil war in, in Syria. So, um, and then you see people frustrated, you know, it's, it's in this kind of trend towards ultra conservative way of thinking. And and what scares me is that, and what I would like to change is people's perception on, on radical Islamic ideology and that, Hey, it's it's great. We need a, you know, us special operations command to, to lead the us DOD on this, this fight against terrorism. Like we do need that component, but what's missing is this other perspective of, we really need a, a strong and clear, focused diplomatic strategy overseas. Like, how do we promote democracy and not make more enemies? Because we've made more enemies, um, than we have, um, than we had prior to nine eleven, and that's a problem. And so, how do you, how do you look at the social and economic uh, environments that? have people being radicalized at home here in the U S and recently in the UK, because, you know, treating, treating Muslims, you know, just with a broad stroke of every Muslim's a terrorist, um, and creating these toxic environments at home in the U S and the U and Europe and the UK, it's just further radical, like further frustrates these young Muslim men and, and increases the chance that they could be radicalized. And so, you know, looking at putting money into—I uh, I think of it as smoking in the in America. Smoking, like the government and industry, took an aggressive stance against smoking, and, and smoking is kind of out of fashion in America and most places. You go to Europe, it's still kind of cool. So, how do we apply the same marketing pressure and spend billions of dollars on advertising and marketing all over internet, print, television ads to make? islamic extremism out of fashion so people just generally don't they don't they know it's not acceptable uh, because we did it with smoking in this country and it, and it is it's this heart and minds campaign that's really missing from our current strategy we, we cannot kill our way to victory in this war against radical extremism there's there's a big part that's missing and it just frustrates me that the leadership in this country doesn't see it and what they're doing is making the problem worse. It's I get it. It's you get punched in the face and you want to fight back. But you look at Nelson Mandela and what he did coming out of his imprisonment and being elected the president of South Africa. He could have took revenge and and really made a lot of people's lives hell and he chose the kind of this peaceful philosophic approach where he's like no that's just going to make the situation worse and that's how i see our current attitude in the uk and the u.s we're, we're jumping right into this this position that's ultimately going to make more enemies and make the world more unstable rather than really taking the the long kind of chess match approach to and, and thoughtful approach to the situation like how how does
1: and, How and unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop you right there, <laughs> Brandon. I could go on with that for quite a while. I think your your yeah. next job is to revamp that for us in the U.S. Like you yeah, revamp sniper training school. Um, people can reach out to you at um, where?
0: Uh, BrandonTylerWeb.com um, is my author website. My company is Hurricane Media. We have, since Father's Day is coming up, I do want to plug our our gear club for men. We have um, one of the best survival tactical gear clubs for for men in America. It's crateclub.us.
1: Okay. And uh, The Killing School, Inside the World's Deadliest Sniper School, is available wherever books are sold. I highly encourage you to get it. Remember, everybody, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've
0: been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions
1: starting today.